Canby New Life Foursquare Church welcomes you. We're located at 2350 Southeast Territorial Road, just off Highway 99E. We hope the following message will be a blessing to you. Uh, Pastor Ron is with the children this morning. He's in the children's classes. And I just respect him for being a pastor of all ages. He just loves everybody. And I just enjoy working with somebody like that. And uh, more worship after the message, our big time of worship, so we can look forward to that. And we're just just so glad that you're here. Um, I have a confession to make. I have learned a lot from the Cookie Monster. Uh, he... Uh, He's sort of a little hero in my life. I've learned that all the nutrients that you need for healthy living can be found in a chocolate chip cookie. Ve- yes, thank you, thank you. Vegetables, no matter what color they are or how you cook them, are actually of no value and can even give you a stomachache. From the Cookie Monster and his friends at Sesame Street, I've learned the letter C, as in cookie, though I still do get the K and the C mixed up once in a while. The penultimate gourmet event is a chocolate chip cookie cheesecake at the Cheesecake Factory. (laughs) And would anybody like a fresh-baked chocolate chip cookie? That just out of the oven, and it, yes, there you go. This man, understand. You understand, yeah. And I have learned from the Cookie Monster that it's appropriate to eat a chocolate chip cookie anytime and in any place. <laughs> we have some real lovers of food here this morning. Last night, they just kind of stared at me. Um, uh, Another thing I've learned, and this is the big one, we keep the cookies on the lower shelf. And I think sometimes we're not good at prioritizing and keeping things simple so that people can get to them. When we talk about being a disciple, and we're talking about small groups as well, but when we talk about being a disciple, that word has remained difficult, if not impossible, for a lot of people. It's, it's just not a common word. And some of our actions, some of the statements that we make, have kept it up on the top shelf. And this morning, we want to move discipleship down to the bottom shelf. And I've asked Raleen McCoy to help me with this a little bit. Um, Raleen, would you come on up? Raleen is one of our small group leaders and uh, it's called uh, Identify, help me. Finding Our Identity in I knew Christ. That. I knew that, <laughs> Finding Your Identity in Christ. And uh, it starts up again in March. Uh, and uh, you uh, had one of them already. It was really successful. We've got another one coming. Tell us just something cool about the group. It's a, it's a group about breaking free and finding freedom. Yeah. Finding freedom. And the book is by Brene Brown. That's right. So, can you remember the title of it? <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I thought it was just me, but it isn't. Uh, making the journey from 
uh, <laughs> I can't remember, making the journey from uh, not, basically not I'm not en- enough. Not, I'm yeah. not enough. I'm not enough. Yeah, making that journey from I'm not enough a, to I am enough. Yeah, it's yeah. the longest title ever, ever. but it, it's a powerful yeah. statement. <laughs> it's a powerful yeah, statement. It is. So um, Renee and I were talking about discipleship, about small groups, and we realized that this word disciple is lost on so much of our culture. They don't, they don't even understand the word. And you, you have experienced that as an accountant. You train accountants in all kinds of different arenas. Mm-hmm. And what happens when the word discipleship is brought up? Well, yeah, so like you said, I, I'm, out, I, I'm out in the world, I, to all different places, locations, different people. And I, I'm constantly trying to disciple people, you know, as I'm out in the world, but I would never use that word. Yeah. I would never use that word because they wouldn't know what I'm talking about. And we started yeah. this conversation because he says, oh, I'm, I'm doing this with the life groups and discipleship. And I said, Dave, I don't think you can use that word. Mm. I don't think that word resonates with the culture today. I, I don't think that's a good idea. And so we just kind of opened this conversation. Yeah. And so I started going as I'm out and about. I started going out and, and, and just kind of interviewing people. What do you think of this word? What does it mean to you? And the most poignant example that I came that came just recently, I was having a conversation with my niece mm-hmm. and her roommate. So to set the stage a little bit, they are um, early twenties, twenty three, both raised in the church. Um, not church is not a priority for them right now. They're being twenty, living their lives. They both live in the in the city in the downtown area. Live and work in the downtown area in the bar industry. So they are, they're in it, right? They're in the mix. They're out in the world doing things and very much have their finger on the pulse of what's happening in Mm -hmm. today's culture. And so I brought this up with them and they said, well, why does Dave want you to talk about it? And that's what I told them. I said, because I went to him and I said, I don't think you can use that word. And they were so excited to chime in on this conversation. They Mm -hmm. just interrupted me and said, no, 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 he can't because nobody wants to be a mindless follower. Whoa. A mindless follower. Thank you so much. Yeah. 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 And so in the conversation, did they have a suggestion of a word that we could use or... No, I, you know, I think at that point I kind of dropped that conversation. Uh, yes. uh, just a thought. <laughs> yeah. But uh, what I did, I think, learn from that is I, I don't think when I'm out and I'm doing what I do in the world and I'm evangelizing, I don't think I will be using that word. It's very much, I think, maybe a, an in-house word. Yeah. For me, it's really about educating. And it's, it's about, um, I will use words like mentor and... and, mm, and mentor for disciple maker. Right, mm-hmm. right. And that just being at all times, being a student... And mm-hmm. a teacher at wow. all times. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Raleen, thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. She raises a good point. In many ways, this discipleship concept is up on the high shelf. And we really need to think about it. But we can't just leave it on the high shelf because Jesus said to the disciples, part of the Great Commission, go and make disciples of all nations, uh, the word nations, every tribe, every people group. So we can't just ignore this. And uh, in John twenty twenty one, as Jesus is speaking to the disciples after his resurrection as well, he says, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. This is a, a statement that at what Jesus did and who he was, what he was like, uh, how he cared, we're to carry that on. Uh, to, to the next generation and the next generation. And so uh, we, we can't just leave this on the higher shelf. Um, 
there, there's really, there's so many things, so many reasons why, uh, why discipleship is difficult. I think one of them, uh, Jesus was God, and yet he was man, but there's confusion about that. And people say, well, how can I follow Jesus? He was God. I, I'll never be God. I can't do all that stuff. I don't have power. So they just dismiss it all together. I think another thing is that Jesus taught, for example, in Luke 14, uh, Whoever wants to be a, a disciple has to give up everything that he has. And in another place, you have to um, take up your cross daily and, and, and follow him. And it, there's this sense of, uh, well, do I just need to uh, uh, plan to die uh, if I'm going to be a disciple? And it's like, you know, I don't think I want to die. I think I would like to stay here on the planet for a while. And so there, there's just confusion. It's bewildering to people. Uh, and then there are is some teaching out there that what Jesus did was in another dispensation, another day, another time, a couple of thousand years ago, and that we just leave it there. And so uh, we we can't do any of that today. We're in a different day, a different time. Uh, Another reason I think that it's difficult that it's up on the high shelf is is our own pride. And this is one that I can relate to. I was asked to go to a disciple group, a discipleship group, as a uh, non-Christian. I was, people were talking to me about Jesus. I was interested. I was asking questions. I was looking at the Bible, uh, reading portions, trying to figure it out. And they asked me to go to this group. And, and I said, oh, yeah, sure, I'll go. <laughs> There's no way I'm going to go to this group with this bunch of wussy, wimpy, weird dudes that, you know, just not cool. And I had no intention of going. Uh, But one night, a guy came and he said, hey, you want to go to the group? And I was so lonely, so he caught me at a bad time. And, you know, if if he'd have been Jehovah Witness, I'd have probably gone to that. I didn't know. (laughs) I was just lonely. And so I went, and here were these athletes and cool dudes and up and running people. And I was in a, a small group ever since. But it was my pride that said, oh, no, no, I, I don't want to be a part of that. And then I think another thing that keeps it on the high shelf is uh, I don't, I don't I, it doesn't matter. I, I don't want to be bothered. I've got so much to do. There's so many other things that need to be done. And I, I don't have time for that. And, you know, Relationship with God isn't really all that important. And so, what, what do we need to do to put discipleship on the lower shelf? Well, we're going to have to have a, a basic understanding of this, and that's where I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. In background here, Jesus has just started his ministry And you see that one of the first things that he does is select disciples. You you get the impression from some authors, some some, uh, speakers, that Jesus was all about the miracles or all about casting out demons or all about teaching. But what you see is that in those three years, Jesus developed these 12 disciples 
so that they could carry on and train others who would carry on and train others who would carry on. The critical thing in his life was that group of 12. And so here he is uh, on the shore, and he comes across uh, in verse 18 of of Matthew chapter 4, Simon, who's called Peter, and his brother Andrew. And these guys are just regular, everyday, ordinary fishermen. And they're, they're just fishing, throwing their nets out. And these are not the elite. They are not the uh, politics, uh, political guys with power. Uh, these are not the businessmen, the wealthy people. Uh, these are fishermen who catch the fish, take it to the market. The next day, catch fish, take it to the market. The next day, no fish, nothing to sell at the market. This is just a very basic kind of living. And here, Jesus selects two of these guys. And I'm not sure if he knew what he was getting with Peter. Are you with me here? He selects two of these guys and says, follow me. And that's in uh, verse 19. And I'm going to read it from a paraphrased version. Jesus said to them, come with me. I'll make a new kind of fisherman out of you. I'll show you how to catch men and women instead of perch and bass. They didn't ask any questions, but simply dropped their nets and followed him. The first thing here that we're going to have to understand is that, yes, Jesus was fully God, but he left that Godhead behind and became fully man while he was here on the planet for those few years. And so, for example, in Philippians 2, verses 6 through 8, Uh, It's talking about Jesus who, being in very nature God, made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, and it goes on to say that he became obedient to death, even death on the cross. As fully man, he was our example, and he could take take our place for us in, in judgment so that we could have forgiveness and go free. And so this thing of Jesus being somebody that we could follow is very real. In fact, the reason Jesus did the things that he did is because he was filled with the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that we can be filled with. And so this is very practical. We're moving discipleship to the lower shelf. And so Jesus says he'll teach them to fish for for the spouse, for children, Uh, friends, people in your sphere of influence. And the rest of the the New Testament shows how he developed these disciples by uh, being an example, then teaching from the example, and then sending them out to do. as kind of three parts. But the word disciple itself is still a struggle. It actually comes from a Latin word, And it was first found in English, I understand, around 900, where it was a combination of the Latin word and the word pupil, which is the word student. Uh, A a disciple is essentially a a student or a learner. Uh, The King James Version came around, was finished in 1611, and so it was very appropriate to translate mathetusites as disciple. That was a common word in that day, something like the word student or learner in our own day. 
it's, it's outdated for us. For example, if, if you're at Portland State or at Canby Bible College or at George Fox, you wouldn't call yourself a disciple. You'd call yourself a student. And so there's a, there's a struggle here. The word is, is a bit passe. Now, the modern translations kept the word to be consistent with the King James Version. If we, already, if we had suddenly changed disciple to student, it would have caused some, some confusion. Probably the better translation for today, if you were really going to go for it, would be apprentice or uh, intern. Because the idea of a student in our day can sometimes be somebody who gets a lot of information but doesn't do anything with it, just keeps it, maybe gets a good grade on the test and then forgets it. And so the idea of intern or apprentice, somebody who takes the things that they've learned and puts them to work would be a better uh, translation. Uh, In your message notes, the first blank to fill in there, a disciple, uh, an apprentice or an intern, learns and also changes. And that's the bottom line. If, If we need a simple definition, moving it to the lower shelf, a disciple learns and changes. And so the litmus test with discipleship is change. If we're not changing, we're not a disciple. We might be stuck or we might have been a disciple, but now we're not because we're not changing. The the definition has to do with changing. And the way I put that into words is that a lot of life is two steps forward and one step back. Two steps forward and one step back. And discipleship is that way. But when we stop going forward, then, then discipleship isn't happening. And that's why we just have to keep on. Discipleship is a process. It's a journey. And uh, so what do we change? Well, we change regarding our hurts, our habits, our hang-ups. We change so that we can be more effective in our marriage, more effective as a parent. We change so that we can be more like Jesus in character and in the way we worship God and in the way we love people. As I studied this, you know, in the New Testament and tried to say, okay, what's at the heart of this? How do we get this on the lower shelf? What's really going on here? I have, I have realized that the first and second commandment really make discipleship clear. And so we could say that discipleship is a journey marked by a greater love for God and for others. And you say, wow, Dave, that's, that's way complicated. Well, for me it is. But it's, it's simple enough, and it, it puts teeth to this. But here's the thing. I've learned that we're never done with these. We just have to keep at it. We, we just never do figure out how to really love God well and how to really love others well. We keep stumbling along the way. We take two steps forward and one step back. I, uh, I find my one steps back are, are pretty apparent. I think of Galatians 5 where it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And I think I'd like to be that big tree with fruit, um, love and joy and peace and patience, uh, um, goodness, gentleness, faith meekness, self-control, and people can come and take of these fruit and 
and uh, enjoy. But sometimes I find myself more like the Charlie Brown Christmas tree. Just kind of ragged, just kind of dried up, just not much left to give. It's that whole two step forward and one step backward that we find on our journey. And rather than being guilty about this, I just keep on being a disciple. I keep on being a learner. Keep on changing. Keep on growing. And, And that's really what it's about. Now the question is, how do we pull this off? How do we become a disciple? What's the effective way to grow and learn and change to love God better and to love others better? And the answer is to look at how Jesus did it. Because was Jesus effective? Did his 12 go on and continue his ministry? It's amazing. Read the book of Acts. And Jesus wasn't around except in that first chapter. And yet the Holy Spirit used those people as though Jesus would have been there even more, even more if you think about it. Jesus trained his disciples in a small group, so do we. Jesus trained his disciples in a small group, so do we. That's that's where we are. And when you think about it, he had 12. If you try to have 25 or 30, you have a hard time really investing well. About 12 seems to work. And in fact, sometimes I feel if Jesus had 12, I'm doing good with six or seven. We take a few and invest in them. Some people have felt that the larger service in churches is where all the action is. But in fact, in the business world, in politics, in education, in psychology, there is just tons of research that has been done that indicates the effectiveness of a small group. And you see other arenas using small groups sometimes better than the church, even though Jesus established the small group as the way to get the job done. And uh, there's one study that indicates that 80% of Americans are in some kind of small group. I guess you have to kind of broaden out the definition of small group, but that's pretty interesting. And it shows that there's an effectiveness that we need to make sure we don't forget about. Jesus tells his disciples in John 20, 21, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. I've chosen to take that verse seriously. And and I, I believe it is for us. What Jesus did, how he did it, who he was, is for us. And as we do it Jesus' way, then we find we have Jesus' results as well. We want to change, and we want to train others. This is what new life is all about, and this is what life is all about. Investing in others to love God better, to love people better. So how do we do this? How do we, how do we become better together? Well, I think the first thing we need to accept Jesus' invitation to be his disciple. First of all, he offers forgiveness for free. He's the one, as I mentioned before, who was our substitute in judgment and took care of all that sin issue and all those things. And uh, we, we can just walk free. We can have a full relationship with God because of what Jesus has done. We don't need to add anything to that. And then, as we accept that, uh, invitation to discipleship, we, 
we realize that there's a place of, of commitment. I want to be a person of love. I want to give my life away. And so that's step one, the first thing we do. Another thing we can do to uh, become better together is to participate in a, in a life group here at New Life to grow. We're, we have chosen to make disciples both in the larger gathering and in the smaller gathering. The larger gathering, teaching, great worship, get together. But in the smaller group, we get to apply what we've learned in a, in a very personal way. People can kind of hold us accountable. Hey, how are you doing with that? Hey, is it going better? And we find ourselves growing. Um, we've, got a, we've got communications now that are helping people to find their way into a small group so that they can grow and change. There's pamphlets available um, in the table out in the lobby every week. And fortunately, it's, it's a very easy to find on the website for the, of the church. And you can go there and you'll see the recovery groups, men's groups, women's groups, and then all the other groups, and then they're even listed by day. So it's very simple. There was a time here at New Life when we had home links, which were understood as the disciple-making groups, and then there were classes, uh, gatherings where we watched DVDs, um, uh, finance seminars, all kinds of other groups. And what we realized is that those other groups are part of the discipleship process as well. So let's not separate them. Let's put them together. And so the decision was taken, let's call them all life groups. So at New Life, we're all a part of a life group. I like that. It's not too hard for me. Lower shelf, lower shelf. And one of the things we also felt is that these groups would not be controlled, but that they would be organic. Controlled, everybody just... Uh, talks about how to apply the the message on the weekend services, uh, controlled, everybody reads a certain place in the Bible during the week and then talks about that during their group, or or controlled, uh, there's some sort of curriculum and you're told what to teach. In this church, it's organic, where we release people to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit to use their gifts and passion to meet needs Uh, among a a group of people in the church. And then we have this in a trimester basis so that uh, a group starts and has a stop time. Or or at least there's a time when a person can exit and go to a different group because of where they're at in their discipleship journey. So we aren't controlling this. We're releasing it and saying, go and be the disciple that God's called you to be. If you need uh, a time in Raleen's group to learn about your identity, do that next, and then get on board with Financial Peace University in the fall if, if you need help in that arena, and then small group where you grow together with others at someone's home, and, and on it goes. We just want to make sure that people are growing and changing. Um, and uh, I'd love to just share with you about all the different groups that are going on, but I'm going to ask you, check out our website or check out the pamphlet and, and see some of the things. It's all kind, all, there's even a quilting group. And uh, somebody talked to me at the last service about a hiking, last night about a hiking group. Can I, can I have a hiking group? Of course you can have a hiking group as long as I get to be a part of it. You know, this is great. And uh, it's a place where people can 
can continue to learn and grow in different places on our journeys. Um, One of the things that we're realizing is that small groups are not a program of our church. We don't have youth group over here and children's group over here and small groups over here and uh, men's retreat over here. We, we are a church of small groups. It's who we are. It's what we do. Jesus didn't talk a lot about group dynamics. He just did it. He gathered a few, cared about them. And that's what we do. We invest in one another. And we do that best in a small group. It's really our church's identity. Um, a, a couple of years from now, people will come and they'll know just because of the word that gets out about our church that our church has these large services and our church has small groups and everybody's involved in them because we all want to grow. We want to learn and then we want to apply. Um, Another thing, another thing that uh, is very important, if we're going to have all these groups, we're going to need a lot of facilitators. And in fact, one of the most exciting things that's happening now is that groups that are starting are filling up very rapidly. Two house uh, groups that are in homes, the living rooms are already full. They just started in January. Uh, There are groups uh, here on the campus that are filled up as well. People are having a harder time uh, finding uh, a place on campus for groups. But here's the thing. They're filling up. People want to be in a group. We need more groups. And we want to invite you to really consider being a part uh, of the facilitator team. Uh, It's easy. We even have training in April for you. Uh, You'll hear more about it, but it's uh, two Wednesday nights in April. That will, that will train facilitators. And we are looking for a minimum of 10 more facilitators right now. And it's, it's, it's fun. It's exciting. It's a way to really get in there and see lives changed because of what God gives you. It's just fun. And so we've got exciting opportunities. A third thing in uh, becoming better together is that we want to be sure we are applying what we are learning. We want to learn and change to love God better and to love people better. We see with Jesus that he first was an example. He would heal. He would care for the poor. He would talk about character, talk about spirituality. He would be an example, and then he would teach about it. And then the disciples would go and do what they had seen and heard. We want to make sure that we don't lose that perspective. We want to make sure that we don't just get more learning, which is very common here in the United States because we have so much resource, we just keep on learning. And then our lives lag behind. We see Jesus sending out the disciples to go and do what he taught them. For example, in Luke 9, verse 1, one day, one day Jesus called together his 12 disciples and gave them power and authority to cast out all demons and to heal all diseases. He must have just made sure they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Then he sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And they knew how to do that because they'd seen him do it. They, they, knew how, uh, they knew what to do and now they had to apply it. And they had a lot of fun. In the next chapter, Jesus sent out the 72, a larger group of disciples, 
And they came back in Luke 10, verse 17. Uh, the 72 disciples returned. They joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. They're, they're excited, joyful, because they get to give, they get to care. They've seen what Jesus did, and now they get to do it. I uh, was in a group that was studying the book of Romans. It was, it was really fun because I was able to make some real progress in my life regarding some of the, um, I'll call it sin for lack of a better word, uh, just waywardness of my life. I was learning to be a slave of Christ, learning about my gifts. And what I saw in the group is there were some people that were in, ahead of me, and so I was able to learn from them how to deal with some of the things I was learning in the book of Romans. And then there were some people behind me. There's almost always some people behind you and some people ahead of you. And, and we learn from each other. And I was able to learn from the ones ahead of me, invest in the people that were behind me. It was fun. It's fun to, to learn and receive, and it's fun to give and care. And in the midst of it, I was able to really deal with some of the rejection that I had felt that had kind of undermined my walk with God. I began to discover some of his love in whole new ways. And it was because I was in a group where things could be personalized. I remember a time when we, I wanted to read through the, the Bible in a year. I started on January 1st in Genesis 1. I made it till about January 15th. Is that, is that about how it is? I fell so far behind, I'd never catch up, and I went on another path. I was in a small group where we checked in weekly on, how, on what God was saying to us through our reading, and we were all reading in the same place. So we all read through the Old Testament once and the New Testament twice in the year according to this Bible reading plan that we had. And I read through the whole Bible all that, that year and learned from others as well. It happened in the small group. I made it past January 15th because of the small group, because, of, because we're better together. It's just a fact. What we want to do in our own lives, is receive what God gives to us on the lower shelf and then give it away on the lower shelf. Would you pray with me? God, we, we want to be Jesus' disciples. We want to love you better. We want to love others better. And we trust you, God, to fill us with your spirit to do that. And Help us to find uh, a group or two that fit us, that we're a place where we can grow, learn, and change. And uh, forgive us, Lord, for overlooking these opportunities because of attitudes that we have or past experiences. You know, we just want to engage because we want to be changed, and then we want to help others be changed to be more like Jesus, to love, to love you, to love people. So God, we're on a journey and we're not backing off and we just look forward to what you're going to do in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You can contact the church office Tuesday through Thursday from 9 to 5 and Fridays from 9 to 3 at 503-266-4444. Please visit us on the web anytime at canbefoursquare.com. 
Pastor Ron and others on New Life staff, along with occasional guest speakers, trust that the Holy Spirit will use the message to teach you, encourage you, and give you hope. 